Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Now, uh, it, it was back in the 60s when the Navy discovered that there, there were some satellites that they could bounce sound off of with a Doppler effect and then use that to position nuclear submarines, which is pretty important. And so they continued to use that and they launched a few more satellites and the military continued to use this global positioning satellite uh, all the way through the 60s and the 80s. And then in 1983, it was President Ronald Reagan, miss that guy, uh, it, it, he, he said, hey, let's take, let's take this uh, this ability that we have to position, let's give it to commercial airlines. And so in 83, they started using it in airlines. And then in 1989, uh, the year I graduated, uh, don't miss that guy. Uh, so the year I graduated in 1989, the first global positioning satellite became a handheld. And, and you were able to, to buy that for $3,000. Uh, and then in 1993, we launched 24 more satellites. They called it Navstar. They launched 24 more satellites into the sky so that we could get more and more accurate with our positioning. And uh, then they kind of uh, opened that up to more and more people. Uh, that, those satellites, when they went up, was a cost of $12 billion. And now, now we have the ability on a whole bunch of devices to, to be directed and, and to find our way and not get lost. It is an amazing technology that many of us have in our smartphones. And uh, now you can say something like, uh, hey, Siri, navigate me to the nearest tacos. The nearest one I found is El Jaripia on West Main Street. Want to try that one? Uh, I'm going to pass it this time. Thank you. So she said sure thing. Um, so... So she needs to work on her accent a little bit, uh, but I would say that's the best use of $12 billion we have ever spent with our tax money. I mean, I, I have so much more freedom in the car now. I am less stressed. You can ask my wife. I have gotten, I've not gotten lost. This has been a blessing. And so we have this global positioning satellite. I don't know how we got anywhere before these things. So, you know, uh, you talk to her. I won't say her name. She'll answer again. But, but you can say, hey, just kind of direct me to this route. And then she'll direct you. And if you get off that route, she'll say, proceed to the nearest route. And if I'm going the wrong way, she'll say, make a legal U-turn. And the reason that she will say that is because if I don't turn around, I will never get to the destination or the address that I've been looking for because direction determines destination. We've talked about that before. Direction determines destination. Now, let me give you a spiritual navigational reality. If, if you do not, if you begin to live your life at, and you live your life on your own, you will never get to the direction and the place where you want to be. If you are off track when it comes to your faith and the truth of who your maker is, you will never reach the destination that you want to get to in your life. You can want it all you want, but at the end, you will not arrive where you need to be because direction determines destination. And there are a lot of Christians, a lot of people who call themselves Christians, who believe that they're heading in the right direction. 
yet they aren't. They, they think that they have it figured out, but they are not truly faithfully following God and the way that he has described that life should be for us. You could be off a whole lot in your life. You could even be off just a little bit in your life when it comes to truth. But even if you're off just a little bit, you will not reach the desired destination because over time, you're going to be a long, long, long way from where you wanted to be. And so last week, we started talking about what would it look like? What does it look like to become a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ? What does it mean to truly embrace the one who says, I'm the only way that you're going to get to the destination in your life now and in the future? How do we do that? And we looked at the Gospels, and we said all throughout the Gospels, there's, there's just a theme around Jesus and its relationships. And, and there are three primary relationships. His relationship with God, his heavenly father, his relationship with his disciples, and then his relationship with the people in the world around him. And we said, if we're going to love God and we have God in us, we have Christ in us, well, then we're going to love what he loves. So we're going to love God and we're going to love the church and we're going to love the world. Now, today, what we're, where we're going to be, we're going to be in the Gospels again, and we're going to be in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, we're talking about relationships, and we're talking about a relationship with God. So in Mark chapter 3, and you kind of hang, we're going to camp out there in Mark 3 for a little bit. Uh, we're also going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 2, so if you have a Bible that you kind of want to, you, know, uh, you know, just hold your place, pretty soon we'll get to 1 Timothy 2. But there in Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 13 and 14, this is the moment that Jesus called the first people to begin to follow him. And this is what we read in Mark chapter 3, verse 13. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. Now, I note a few things here. Uh, when it says in verse 13 that he called them, this is, this is a specific kind of call to him as a person. This is a personal invitation for them to follow Jesus. And so uh, th this is the first point I want to make. Being a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ, that begins with an invitation. Being a wholehearted follower begins with an invitation. Jesus's invitation wasn't to a destination with GPS coordinates. His invitation was into a relationship. His invitation wasn't like, isn't to like a place. His invitation isn't, hey, I want you to embrace religion and, and show up in a building. That wasn't the invitation. The invitation wasn't even, I, I want you to be more moral. I, wa I want to invite you to be a good person. That wasn't the invitation. His invitation wasn't even to a final destination of heaven. His invitation is into a relationship. It's a relationship that's going to go on forever. And yes, we'll get to heaven because of Christ, but heaven is heaven, we said last week, because Jesus is there. I remember when our life group was studying Crazy Love by Francis Chan. Francis said something, either I read it or, or we saw it on the videos that he did, and he said, basically, if Jesus weren't in heaven, would you care? Man, that hit my heart. Like, do I just want heaven because, like, it's going to be good for me? Or do I want heaven because of the relationship, because of what Christ has done for me? And what we have been invited to, friends, it is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus has done with his, his disciples. He says, come to me. I love you. <laughs> I want to be with you. And I'm inviting you into a relationship 
with me, which is amazing because when you think about these 12 guys that are gathering up on that mountainside there, remember they're Jewish. And so from, from little boys, they started studying the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, like they would memorize it. And when you put those five into a scroll, it's called the Torah. And so they would study the Torah. And their teachers would come along and they would say, hey, guys, one day our God is going to send us a Messiah to deliver us. They understood one day there's an anointed one who's coming. And the anointed one is going to save us. And now here they are on that mountain staring into the eyes of the one that they have been waiting for. And now this one, this creator is saying, I want a relationship with you. <laughs> and they're like, are you kidding me? We've been waiting on you. You're the one we've been waiting for. And now you are inviting to know us. We get to walk with you. We get to know. This is crazy. This isn't like some guy off the street. This ain't Jojo off the street. This isn't a, like a sports celebrity. This isn't even like uh, just some famous person, this is the creator of the universe, who looks these guys in the eyes and he says, I love you guys. I want you to follow me. I want a relationship with you. This is crazy. And that's what God says to you. I want to know you. I want you to walk with me. I choose you. First Timothy chapter two, God desires this relationship in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul has already written things like, hey, let's go ahead and let's pray for those who are in leadership over us. And as believers, let's live peaceable lives. And then in verse 3, he says, this is good. And it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Same word here in Greek that we find in Mark chapter 3, that Jesus desired his disciples. He wants, God wants to save people. This is his desire. He, he didn't want Adam and Eve to rebel. He wanted them to obey him, to remain in relationship with him. And, and this is what God wants for you. He wants you and a relationship with you. And it doesn't matter how far you have gone in your life, how, how, how deep into the darkness and the pit and the mire and muck of your sin. God calls out to you and says, I want a relationship with you. I want to save you. I love you. I want to be in a relationship. And God wants a relationship with you more than you want a relationship with him. Because all of us come into this world and we are separated from God. We are rebels against God. And, and we just kind of think about ourselves and our own pride. And, and we have no interest in him being the Lord over our life. But the Bible tells us that God so loved the world and you're a person in the world that he so loved you. He thought about making a you before there was you. Before any of this kind of spun up and got going, God thought, I'm going to make a you. <laughs> he decided to do that. And in his sovereignty, he made you, put a soul inside of you so that you would live to glorify him, so that you would know him, so that you would love him, so that you would glorify his name. But the problem is this. 
Isaiah 59, verse 2. But your iniquities, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So these iniquities, these sins, this is wrongdoing. This is us going our own way, thinking I don't need a relationship. I'm going to live my life on my own. I don't need to be obedient to this God. But this is what God desires. This is his call. And one would think that because we have so much sin in our lives, that God wouldn't want anything to do with us. Like he wouldn't want to touch us with a 10-foot pole or even longer. Like he doesn't want to know us. He doesn't want us to be around. So this is the bad news because of this separation. But the good news is this. Back to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Who's the man? The man is Christ Jesus. And not just the man, he is the Christ man, the Messiah, the appointed one. He is the God man, but he is the man. You the man, Jesus. So the mediator steps in between. The mediator is the go-between. And because of the separation that we have, because of our sin, not God's sin, he didn't do anything wrong, we did, Jesus steps in. And because of my sin, I'm separated from God. So God sent a mediator, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. That means what he did on the cross for us. He gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. God loves us so much that when we were sunk in our sin, he sent his son to stand between our sinfulness and the holiness of God. And in Christ Jesus, the sinfulness of man and the holiness of God met in a cataclysmic event. Like death met life. Good met evil. Dark met light in a moment on the cross of Christ. And I call it cataclysmic because the Bible tells us that in this moment of Jesus on the cross, the earth shook and the rocks split. And this big curtain in the temple tore from the top to the bottom. And the Bible tells us that the sky got dark. Jesus had Born all of the sin of all humanity in this moment, the sinfulness of man and the holiness of God, they meet and it gets dark and Jesus closed his eyes in the darkness of death. And for three days, it seemed like, well, yeah, it's over. But Jesus cried out, it's finished. And it seemed like it was finished because it, it was dark. And I can just imagine the enemy kind of just celebrating with all of his demons, like, we did it, we have accomplished it. And they took Jesus and they laid him inside of a tomb. And for three days, it was dark. But then on the third day, the Spirit of God breathed life into the lungs of the Lord and light dawned. And Jesus rose from the grave victorious. As a testimony, yes, as a testimony 
that God accepted that sacrifice of the mediator so that you and I may now have life because of Christ and invited into a relationship with him. This is God's love, that Jesus Christ would redeem, restore, reconcile us back into a relationship with God Almighty. So a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ begins with this invitation into the truth and realization of who Jesus Christ is. But it can't just stay there as an invitation. That invitation needs to be received. It needs to be responded to. You must receive it. Back to verse 13 of Mark chapter 3. And he went up on the mountain and he called to him those whom he desired and they came to him. They came to him. They had to receive this invitation. He came to redeem them, but they needed to receive that invitation and the work that Jesus was doing and the invitation to come to him. You must accept his invitation. This wasn't just a one-time kind of moment where they walk up the mountain, they're like, oh, look, the Messiah. We know who you are. Uh, Thank you. Goodbye. No, it's an invitation into a relationship. And that's the way for us as believers. This isn't like a one-time magic prayer that we pray, like, okay, I'm going to pray this prayer. Now I'm a Christian. I'm going to go my own way. This isn't like I got dunked in water in baptism, and now it's over. No, no, no. This is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment relationship with the Lord of heaven. And the only way to become a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ is to repent, to turn from your sin, and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior of your sins and the Lord of your life, meaning he's going to set up the throne inside your heart, and he's now in charge. You can have, have a sign over your heart. It says, under new management, Lord Jesus. I'm, I'm going to walk with him. And this is not about, like, I'm going to work for this, I got baptized, or I prayed this prayer. No, this is a relationship, and it's not works. And we can tend to start moving that direction in our hearts and our minds. In fact, Jesus talks about this. He's talking about this fact that one day, one day, his kingdom that exists now, which is invisible, one day will be visible. And in that visible kingdom, he is going to invite in all those who have a relationship with him. But in that day, there's going to be some people who want to get into that kingdom because of their activity, because of what they did. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23, Jesus says this, on that day, that day which is coming, it'll be here before we know it, on that day, many, so a lot, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, inferring some kind of personal acquaintance, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then Jesus says, well, I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So there are going to be many who have embraced some form of religion. Now, I read these things like prophecy and casting out demons and and mighty, miraculous work. Man, I'd say, man, those are some pretty spiritual people right there. Maybe a whole bunch of pastors, if you will, 
A whole bunch of people who believe I am working for God, and so that means then I have a relationship with God, but they have neglected the relationship, and they just moved in the direction of, well, I think I'm just going to have to work for this salvation. They have never repented of their sin. They have never followed Jesus Christ. They don't have a relationship with him. At the core of their being, they do not know him. Their name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. They are confused. These are people who perhaps are in ministry, in church world, just filled with ego, just filled with narcissism, never ever repented of sin, never ever made Jesus Christ first and Lord. Being a wholehearted follower of Jesus, that begins with an invitation, which is then responded to. Here's the second thing. Being a wholehearted follower of Jesus leads to intimacy. It leads into this intimate relationship. Go back to Mark chapter 3. We're going to read verse 14 again. So Jesus has invited his disciples. They've gone up onto this mountain. And then he says this, And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach, so that they might be with him. Not so that they would live for him, not, not so that they would work for him, not so that they would perform for him, but into a relationship. God, through his grace and through faith, invites us to come and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, not to work for him. Your Christian life isn't even you trying to live your Christian life. It is you being called to allow Christ to live his life through you. You see the difference? This is freeing for some of you. Like you've been thinking, well, I gotta try harder. (laughs) That's never worked. You don't have to try harder. You need to let Christ live in you. This isn't about doing, it's about being. Your being. You are to be with Him. The invitation is into this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. A wholehearted follower of Jesus isn't about doing, it's about being being, being with Jesus. What we do, now that overflows out of who we are. Who we are is a being with this being who is God living on the inside of us. And all the other stuff, all the other good works, all the other things that kind of overflow out of our heart are a result of us being in intimate relationship with the God of this universe who has invited us to know him through the mediator, the man, Jesus Christ. This this is This isn't about duty. So like if you show up to church, you've been living your Christian life, you're like, oh man, I haven't been doing enough. I gotta gotta work harder. I I feel so terrible. I haven't haven't read my Bible. I haven't prayed. I'm not doing things that other people can see. Like, hey, I'm a Christian. I got this sign. No, no, no. All, All of that stuff comes out of love. Like I love Jesus, I want an intimate relationship. I want to know him better and better. I want to know him better today than I did yesterday. I want to know him better tomorrow than I do today. And out of the overflow of this intimate relationship, man, now I'm just invited to spend time with him in intimacy. And then out of that intimacy and Christ living through me, not me living for him, but Christ living through me, now I'm able to accomplish all that God desires. The goal is the relationship. Everything flows out of that. So, so if you're thinking, okay, what do I do with my time? I would encourage you to spend your time being with Jesus rather than doing for Jesus. Spend your time being with 
Christ rather than just simply doing for him. Everything flows out of this relationship. I, I love this passage. We read it last week. It's John 17, verse 3, high priestly prayer. Jesus says, and this is eternal life. I think we want eternal life. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So the goal is to know God. And if you're going to get to know God, then you have to spend time with him. Daily, you need to spend time with God in intimacy, where you live moment by moment with him. And interestingly, I find that the most difficult thing for Christians, and I'll put myself in there, the most difficult thing for us to do is to spend time alone with God. I don't know why that is, right? But I think the enemy has something to do about this because he believes if he can just get us distracted and get our hearts and minds away from spending time with God, well, now we're defeated. But if we could just simply understand, this is about me spending intimate time with my heavenly father, and that comes before me checking my email and sending texts and, you know, getting to work and doing all these other things and going out and having fun and just making myself primary and first. If I could just spend time alone with the father in that intimacy, every time I do that, I walk away going, ah, oh, <laughs> my heart is free. Why don't I do that more often? But this is one of the most difficult things for people to do. And I'm not just asking you to do God time, right, to spend time with God. I'm talking just live in an intimate awareness of your heavenly father, like to be aware that he's with you, like he's here now. Not just that you would be aware of him, but that you would realize he's aware of you, that you would have this desire, like I just want to be in his presence, to know him, to sense his love, to open up what he's told me in his word, to, to read those words and let it soak into my heart, but then not let it just soak in my heart, but then to be obedient to those things that he's telling me, and we're having this communication, and I'm hearing from him, and he's hearing from me, and we just have this desire to be together. Thirdly, being a wholehearted follower of Jesus overflows into every part of our life. It overflows into every part. So it starts with this invitation. God desires, God chooses those that he calls to himself. He gives them the grace and the faith to respond to that invitation. That results in an intimate relationship with you and your heavenly father through his son, Jesus Christ. And then that overflows into every part of the relationship. Back to verse 14. And he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. So they've got one responsibility. Hey guys, you be with me. Just spend time with me. And then I, Jesus says, I'm gonna send you out to preach. Now that word preach in the Greek, it means to announce, it means to make public or to bear witness. Jesus comes along, he says, I choose you. I've desired a relationship with you. And I want you to be with me. And out of this intimate relationship with you, out of the overflow of your life and the transformation that I'm doing inside of you, I'm going to make my life public through you. Like the way that I'm going to make a difference in your life and then the life of other people around you is I'm going to be in you. And then out of the overflow of this relationship, I'm going to make this public. You will be my witnesses. Witnesses of what Christ is doing in us. Christianity isn't religious exercise. Where I got to church, to the 915 service, check. Maybe I spent some time in prayer, check. It's not religious exercise. 
It is a love relationship where we just grow in this intimacy of knowing our Heavenly Father, our Creator. And out of this desire to love Him, we want to be with Him. And the more we end up being with Him, the more we start to look like Him. And the more that we start to look like Him, the more that others begin to notice and take note. And He is now living His life through you, making a difference in the world that He loves. So many people, so many times, they want to know, hey, uh, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? What's God's will for my life? I think people want to know God's will more than they want to know God. I would say if you just simply come to this place where you want to know God in a relationship, then he's going to live his life through you and you will do his will. It just happens naturally out of the relationship. God's will is this thing that, that Paul calls this mystery in Colossians 1.27. This mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that begins with an invitation to know the one who died on the cross for your sins, to redeem, to restore, to reconcile you back to a father that you were separated from because of your sin. And when you repent and you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's not a matter of you doing and working and striving, I'm going to be a better Christian, I'm going to live for Jesus. No, Jesus, live in me. And as he continues to fill you with his spirit, this sanctifying work, this becoming more and more like him begins to work itself out. And now, now God is working through you out of the overflow of your heart to touch others with the truth of who he is so that they might know. Let's pray. Father, for any in this room whose names are written already in the Lamb's book of life, because you have so designed and desired to call us to yourself. We thank you. Lord, would you remind us once again today that it's not our activity, it's your activity in us, that you would fill us with your spirit, that we just wouldn't simply perform for you and be on a treadmill of Christianity, but that you would live in us and that you would live through us. So once again, Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us to overflowing. And for any in the room today who have heard your voice to come into a relationship through your invitation, I pray today that they would not harden their heart because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that a relationship begins, not just simply from a prayer of saying, forgive me, I have sinned and fallen short, but out of a relationship from this point forward where we are with you and you are with us and we will walk with you and we will love you with all of our hearts. I thank you, Father, for allowing that kind of change to happen in a heart, our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.